Welcome to the Optimum Human Podcast. I'm Coach P. And I am I'm Coach K with a bird. <laughs> Coach K with a bird. Today was a great episode. We talked about one of my favorite topics, didn't we, Coach? Oh, we talked about some great things. Concurrent training, it's wonderful. You know, um, is, is, in, is endurance training killing your gains? Is it, is it going to just destroy everything you did? Which is a common... <laughs> Yeah, I know. Which is a common, uh, you know, uh, common theory, common theory or, uh, oh, hell, people think it happens. How about that? I'll help you out, coach. Yeah. A lot of individuals out there take this way too seriously when it comes to what should I do first, strength training or cardio? Coach K and I are going to go deep into the science and also give you practical applications for how to make this as simple as you possibly can, that you can still maximize your gains on what you want to maximize your gains on and still stay healthy. Coach, you ready for this one? I am ready and uh, enjoy the animal noises in the background. (laughs) Let's get into it. Enjoy, you guys. Concurrent training. I love this topic. And this is usually a topic that my students always ask me about saying, coach, how can I make my gains and still do cardio at the same time? Or what should I do first, cardio or strength training? It's, it's a decade old question that I even remember trying to figure out when I first started lifting and everything. You know, it is. And it's a great, um, it's a great question because it's not, it's not necessarily a simple question of just go out and train and do both things because how you train and how much you train in one little area, whether it's endurance training or cardio, whatever you want to call it, and resistance training or, 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 or weight, sorry, <laughs> or resist, weight training, <laughs> what I'm trying to say, um, makes a difference, right? And, and that kind of goes all back to our, like, our principles we talked about in a few episodes ago about you know, intensity and volume and all this wonderful stuff, duration. And I mean, there is a genetic factor that plays a role into it. So uh, you know, really, I guess kind of the question is, does cardio kill your gains? We're about to answer that question today. Exactly. Uh, and, and it all starts with uh, Dr. Hickson at, and his research team back in the 1980s, who were the first ones to actually look at this topic. So be- before we even get to Hickson, let's define concurrent training for our listeners. Concurrent training is simply engaging in both strength and endurance types of physical activity and trying to manipulate the intensity and or volume in order to profit off of both of them in order to make gains in both areas. What's the best way to do that? So yeah. Dr. And Hickson was actually one of the first to actually look at this back in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. So, and so they, a- they, uh, they coined uh, a theory called molecular signaling theory, uh, mm. which uh, Mr. Coach K is gonna go into here with his oh, big knowledge of bioenergetics and science. <laughs> okay, so... Um, we got to talk about mTOR and AMPK, right, Coach? Yes, yes. So I'm thinking of how, how I can articulate and paint the picture without actually being able to paint a picture for you, if, if you know what I mean here. So in other words, if we do resistance training or if we do endurance training, we're going to stimulate certain pathways, such as mTOR, which is more associated with, let's just say, resistance training. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, AMPK. Thank you. I was like, good Lord, what happened to my, <laughs> what happened to my brain here? AMPK, which is associated with endurance training. And really, you don't have to dive into the actual definition exactly what they do, but realistically, one is associated with the other and one can actually inhibit the other. So if we have too much of AMPK, that may inhibit the mTOR pathway. So in other words, let's just think of mTOR or the presence or the activation of mTOR pathway being responsible or involved with hypertrophy. 
right? Specifically, or strength or, or anything with the adaptation to resistance training. Where AMPK is going to be more involved with the mitochondrial biogenesis, which we've mentioned before, which is creation of mitochondria, right? Which we need for aerobic metabolism, so on and so forth. So we kind of have this tug of war, if you will, or at least this, this theory um, is that we have this tug of war that if I have too much mTOR activated or too much resistance training, um, that's going to potentially inhibit my endurance training and vice versa. So if we have too much of one, then I can't, necess I can't be Lance Armstrong and Eddie Hall at the same time and, and Ronnie Coleman law of specificity like if you have a specific goal you need to train for that specific goal to get the exactly. most out of that adaptation exactly but so, that doesn't well, mean you can't have a balance absolutely and you can you can lean one way or the other too depending on what you need now I've always I, I say this all the time in my classes that um the need <clears throat> excuse me, the, the need to have cardio or general physical preparedness in your program is, is a necessity for all types of programs. Now, to varying degrees, right? When I, when I say, you know, if you're a power lifter, um, that doesn't mean go out and run 10 miles. That, that's a little ridiculous, right? That would be outside of the realm that you need to do. But for general health purposes, having a little bit of cardio in there is good. And for you endurance athletes, having a little bit of resistance training in there is good. So you can still perform in your respective area and do – the other thing, if you will. So what I want to bring to the attention now that Coach K has given us what it looks like under the hood. Let's talk a little about Hickson and his research where Hickson's lab observed that training both strength and endurance simultaneously had detrimental effects on strength development, but not our aerobic qualities. Now, but that's, let's also pull back a little bit here. That's a lot of strength and a lot of endurance work. This is not the same thing as doing light aerobic activity to low amounts of volume. So for instance, if I was highly wanting to focus on my strength gains or highly wanted to focus on my hypertrophy gains here, then doing simple things like walking for 20 to 30 minutes a day at low intensities is most likely not going to be a big enough signal to inhibit the strength signal towards building strength, building hypertrophy and so on and so forth. Whereas the theory might actually be that Sure, it could be that the two signals block each other out, or it could also expose athletes to higher incidents of overreaching and overtraining. So exactly. when, we're, when we're talking about the world of strength and conditioning, or any, like our weekend warriors who are highly into their strength training when they go to the gyms Monday through Friday or Sunday through Sunday, whatever, all right, and they do high mm -hmm. amounts of strength training, doing high amounts of endurance work on top of that might just be pushing you a little too far and not actually allowing your body to recover properly, making recovery much more difficult. Uh, and hence, that is why you might have difficulty making progress in either of those arenas. Absolutely. Now, now I've, heard, I've heard people argue against that, saying, well, if I just eat enough and I rest enough, I'll be fine. Well, the, the reality is, yes, to a point, you can only eat so much and you can only rest so much. And you can only assimilate X amount of nutrients given your demand, your genetics, your, your all this wonderful stuff. So there are physiological limitations to what you are trying to accomplish. Yes, I can go out and do my high intensity interval training and then you'll run, you know, whatever, five miles and then do some heavy weightlifting. However, I'm probably, I, okay, not probably, I am more likely to develop an injury or an overuse injury, um, which we call overtraining. Now, this is something that I found really, really interested in Hickson's study and why people 
couldn't can take it seriously, but at the same time, not to worry as much. At the end of the day, you're going to have some sort of adaptation. I actually didn't know this when I originally read Hickson's study way back when, when I was studying concurrent training, but they actually found that there actually was no interference effect until mm. the eighth week of training, which I found was really, really interesting. But for me, was that, what type of individual is that? Was that someone who was already trained? Or was that an experienced athlete? Because they also make that distinction too, that these effects could differ based mm -hmm. off of your current training status as an athlete and your prior training experience, which I thought was fascinating as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so more variables to, to throw into the pot here. You know, how, how conditioned are you currently? Are you, are you sedentary, are you an advanced athlete or advanced training individual? Or, you know, are you just getting started? That's going to play a role as far as um, – <clears throat> If this interference theory is going to impact you and when. Um, so, excuse me, <laughs> choking on my water here. Um, so, so it kind of goes back to that age old crappy phrase, it depends as far as like, is this going to impact you? Um, it, it does depend, it depends on, on those variables that we were just mentioning. So if you're, if you're looking, um, if you're looking at resistance training and you're wondering, does a concurrent training adding cardio into my, uh, into my workout, does that hinder or blunt uh, my resistance training adaptations? Um, and really the answer is not conclusively. Meaning- It depends. It, it does depend, which sucks, because that's a, that's, a that's a crappy consensus. But I mean, as we know in the world of exercise science and science in general, there are a lot of variables in the environment and in the subjects and into the, um, into the, uh, well, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but into how we manipulate these variables um, that we can't necessarily put blanket statements on things. Mm -hmm. um, now, they also, uh, it has also been shown um, in 2012 that concurrent training may have a greater uh, or a greater negative, you can't say it that way. Sorry, dogs are barking. You're gonna hear animals throughout this thing. I've got dogs out here, I've got, uh, I've got a bird out here. Um, so. Yeah, the zoo is out here. I'm, I'm in with the lions right now, Tiger King. Um, anyway, <laughs> so what, what we've seen, there it is. Um, what we've seen is that uh, power, right? Was that, was that what I was talking about? Power <laughs> training, power output, high velocity contractions are actually negative impacted by concurrent training or can be. Um, and, and you can still do some cardio with power training, but you would have to limit it in comparison if you're just doing, you know, limited more than if you're doing strength training, limited more if you're doing hypertrophy training or just general, we'll just say resistance training. Mm -hmm. so, so here's what I'm going to put into, I'm going to give you guys both the science and I'm going to translate it for you to be very, very simple. If you want to just get down to the nitty gritty and be like, all right, Coach P and Coach K, you're giving me all the science, that's cool as hell. Just tell me what the hell to do. If I don't have time, to do certain things like because the ultimate way to try and limit the interference effect if we're talking about the molecular signaling theory is to separate the two modalities by at least six hours because what they have found in research is that allows enough time for one signal to go through that if you do something six hours later it won't have as much as a detrimental <laughs> impact but we need to take away a bigger picture here what do you want to improve on the most exactly because if whatever you want to prove on the most, you do that first during the workout. If you're, if you're not a professional athlete and be honest with yourself, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're a professional athlete for working for a professional team and you have a salary 
for that sport or you're an Olympic training athlete, if you're not doing either of those things, you're a recreational athlete, all right? You might think that you're going above and beyond and that you are doing the same things as ultra athletes, but for the majority of people who are looking to gain weight and muscle or lose fat, they're not that, all right? So just be reasonable here. Whatever you wanna work on first, do that first because that will create the largest signal to your body that even if you do cardio after you just went ham on the lifts, the, when you do 15, 20 minutes of cardio afterwards, it still won't be a big enough signal to overcome the large signal you gave to your body an hour yeah. ago with strength training. So you won't have to worry about it as much if you're someone who needs to do both resistance training and cardiovascular training in your program and can't divide it up amongst the days or however it is that you're, that you're uh, programming for yourself. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, with the suggestions as far as like spacing between the two workouts, I mean, they, you know, three hours have been shown to be enough to reduce the molecular signaling or the interference potential there. Um, but like Coach B was saying, we want at least six hours and ideally, um, you know, if you can, if time permits or schedule permits, 24 hours in between. That doesn't always work, especially for, you know, athletes who need to, who have high volumes in the training, you know, um, elite athletes, uh, sub elite athletes, all that wonderful stuff. So it's not always practical. So we always try to aim for at least six hours to minimize that, that kind of, uh, interference that we may have uh, with our two different training um, <clears throat> two different training modalities now before we get into practical applications let's not forget that there are also individuals out there who don't care as much about building muscle there are endurance athletes out there and i'm sure we have Absolutely. a couple uh a couple of our old uh students who also dwell in that realm and there's something to say about the opposite side so endurance if, if that's what you're prioritizing you can actually mm -hmm. benefit from moderate volumes of strength training has actually been found to improve endurance mm -hmm. for the individuals who are prioritizing their work into triathlons, marathons, and so on and so forth. Um, there, so there is, there's no, there's benefits on both sides of the equation here. Just whatever you're focusing on, make sure that you're doing low to moderate volumes of the other. Exactly. And that will help minimize the interference effect. Exactly. And that's what it kind of boils down to. So, I mean, <clears throat> getting into the practical application, if you're okay to move into that, Coach P. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, unless, hold on. Oh. I've got one more thing. Okay. And then Hit we it. can go there. So the last thing I have is they've also done research into the modalities of cardiovascular mm. training that you're doing. I forgot, I forgot to mention this because that can have a significant impact on your recovery from strength training. So for instance, if you want to take it a step further, and you want to do your best to help attenuate the negative impact that cardiovascular training could potentially have on your ability to build muscle or strength, then you need to choose modalities of cardiovascular training that do not have an eccentric component. And because that is, it has been found that when you do cardiovascular training, such as running, which has a high impact mm -hmm. and has a deep eccentric component that can negatively impact your recovery response that you would have from strength training. Whereas if you choose a more, less impact where there is not as much as an eccentric component can you give an example cycling or cycling. rowing is a perfect cardiovascular activity that does not carry an eccentric component it's all concentric and therefore does not interfere with the rebuilding process of proteins during your recovery stage of strength training which i found fascinating absolutely absolutely so think of all the different types of moderate to low intensity cardiovascular training that you can do that are 
A, low impact and don't have an eccentric component. And those might be your best choices if you're super highly focused on trying to maximize strength gains at all costs. Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I'm, I'm turning my mic on and off to try to mute the, the noise. Um, <laughs> He's got Paul. a damn bird, you all. He's got a bird. Talking. He was just saying Broncos for a second. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, I'm actually using this uh, methodology in my, <gasps> uh, in my current training. <laughs> He's saying hello to you guys. He wants, he wants to be heard. Um, anyway, in my current training, because I use a cycle, I cycle on a Peloton, and I also, of course, do hypertrophy training or hypertrophy power. I mean, you're depending, it's, it's kind of an undulating uh, periodization that I have going on. But um, so I am practicing what we are talking about currently as we speak. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so can you hear that? I can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's pissed. I'm it's sorry. Bird, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I'll talk. I'll talk. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk to you in a minute. Um, so that'll, that'll be interesting on the podcast. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but that's okay. Um, so when we talk about training for hypertrophy, now, just like Coach B said earlier, if you're prioritizing hypertrophy and you're doing concurrent training, then, well, duh, you should probably focus on your hypertrophy uh, resistance training first and then do cardio afterwards. And that's really what we've seen. Um, now, <clears throat> Here. There's really two ways they could go about this, right, Coach? Well, what two ways are you talking about? Because I got some other ways. So in the ways that I'm thinking, if you want to maximize hypertrophy or strength and you still want to put aerobic training into your programming, do it one of two ways. Either A, keep the intensity low and do low amounts of volume, which means just do the basic standards for ACSM of doing light aerobic activity for about a half an hour a day, all right? And do it away from your training. Or try to do cardiovascular training that matches the type of muscle recruitment you're doing in your strength training. For instance, if you want to try to minimize the negative signal that could be sent to counteract uh, mTOR, then do high intensity interval training at low volumes throughout the week, such as high exactly. interval training sprints or prowler sleds, which are very, very common nowadays. Um, exactly. Doing, yeah. Doing those types um, of things at low volumes would be an acceptable form of cardio as well. So, so with, with that being said, I mean, it, it kind of, timing does play kind of an interesting role because what you could do is one, you could wait, you know, let's say until the next day, 24 hours ish to do your high intensity interval training, whatever it is on the cycle or some crap like that. Um, or you could do it almost at the same time. Um, I would almost advise not doing it three hours out uh, and that has probably, well, it has to do with the, the muscular damage that you accumulated during, during that resistance training, but also having to do with uh, nutritional uh, limitations that you have as far as resynthesizing glycogen and being able to sustain a high intensity there. So either eat and fuel yourself to have that done at the same time, right? Or back to back, if you will, or eat to fuel yourself to have it done the next day. Love it. All right. So hypertrophy do your do your hypertrophy resistance training first then wait three to six hours to do your your low intensity um what you call it cardio or keep your high intensity cardio what's up what are you laughing about uh keep your high intensity cardio in the same session or the next day and if you're training for strength the guidelines aren't much different right it's pretty much the same it is the only, pretty much the same the only thing about i, I would say the major difference is 
endurance training is going to have a higher degree of impact on your neuromuscular adaptations than it would with overall hypertrophy because you can still achieve exactly. higher levels of volume when doing cardiovascular training rather than you doing cardio and then there being a lot of energy needs from your neuromuscular system by doing strength training. So strength training, strict programs, it might be more advisable that if you're going to do higher amounts of cardio, do it on completely different days. Which, which even kind of plays it when you talk about the, the central nervous system uh, taxation or fatigue that we're going to get from that. Hold on here. <laughs> Inappropriate timing, dogs. Um, so when we talk about the, the taxation on, in the central nervous system, you're going to see an even greater deficit uh, with, with uh, power training, like I was mentioning earlier. And that is because that is a more neurological demanding modality of training than strength training. Um, and of course, you know, hypertrophy being even less demanding than that. So now that doesn't mean that you can't have a hypertrophy program that's very neurologically demanding and strength and so on and so forth, but we're just talking generalities here. Um, yep. The power and the velocity of contraction you need to perform <clears throat> power movements such as, well, even just like a high jump to, you know, a clean and jerk are significantly more demanding than doing a heavy deadlift. And let's, let's say you're some sort of endurance athlete. Let's go on the flip side here. Prioritize your endurance training before your resistance training and your workouts and keep the intensities lows as well. But avoid what I, I like. To, <laughs> I like with a, a particular article called it silly training. So don't think just because you're mm -hmm. an endurance athlete means that you should be doing very, very low percentages of your 1RM and doing crazy yeah. sets of 15 or 30. No, still do strength training where you're recruiting 70 to 90% of your one RM. Which, I mean, of course, because when you're talking about that, if you were to do 30 plus reps, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a strength endurance like approach, but um, you're already doing endurance training. What the hell are you doing doubling up? So you're, you're doing resistance training for the resistance adaptations, whether that's hypertrophy or the strength or power, you know, however you have your program set up, but um, you know, d don't double up on it. You're already running or cycling or whatever, make sure you get some actual resistance training in there. Because again, just like I talk about strength athletes needing to do some cardio, endurance athletes absolutely need to do resistance training. You can't just be one or the other over-specialized. And in my opinion, a lot of us in the fitness industry, not maybe not professionals, maybe some professionals, just people who are just avid, you know, exercisers, if you will, uh, do become over-specialized. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do only Olympic weightlifting, but I can't fucking walk up the damn stairs. Yeah. Or I'm only going to run, but I can't lift up this freaking bag of dog food. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, you know, in, in my opinion, this is the way I view it. If you are that weak uh, endurance athlete or that overly strong, you know, athlete who can't walk up the stairs, you guys are equally poorly trained. I want to say equally worthless. That almost can in my mouth because you're not worthless, but I'm just saying that uh, you guys have the same, you guys have similar deficits, if you will. Maybe not physiologically, but they are similar. So for the majority of individuals that we deal with on a daily basis, for those of you who are going to be fitness professionals who we teach every single day, who are going to be dealing with individuals who simply want to lose weight and have a balance, or for just an individual who wants to be healthy. A balance is going to be key to longevity. So whatever you want to focus at this particular time in your programming or your life, do that first, followed by the other form of training, particularly in today's circumstances where we need to keep our immune systems top notch. This is where it might be a little bit more beneficial to have that balance and not pushing yourself too far, keeping your immune systems as strong as they can.
Absolutely. Because what sometimes people forget, yes, you should exercise and you should be active and active and all this stuff. Um, he meows. Uh, <laughs> but you, you also need to understand that exercising, especially on high intensity, higher intensities and greater loads, we'll, we'll, we'll do something different next time. Higher intensity and greater loads is an immunosuppressant, which can potentially make you more susceptible to things like, you know, COVID. Yeah, which is, I would say, extreme athletes are going to be a little bit more at risk for contracting viruses than individuals who, I would say, have a balance. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, it, it, there's even studies shown that if you exercise intensely too much, you're actually just as great at risk as someone who's sedentary. Yep. So that's about all I've got concurrent training. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Uh, you know, that I, I would say the same, you know, just make sure you prioritize the one that you really want to focus on and then balance it out. If you have, if you're doing a lot of cardio, do a little bit of strength. If you're doing a lot of strength, do a little bit of cardio. But, you know, I would say concurrent training is something you should include if you include it appropriately. If you have the time and resources to get really nitty gritty and picky with manipulating variables and types of cardiovascular training to go with your types of strength training, then by all means do so. But at the end of the day, whatever you want to improve on the most, do that first. Indeed. All right. That's all I got. Tune in Let's next get time. Get something. <laughs> the birds got some stuff for us. He says hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you guys. All right, bye.